Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all so very much for joining us on this lovely Monday evening per usual. This is the Voice and Reason podcast here in the lovely, lovely year of 2021. My name is Sean Phillips. As always, I'm joined alongside my co-host, Mr. Andy Van Beber. And today we've got two wonderful guests with us. I've got Mr. Zach Evans and Daniel Harvey. Gentlemen, how are you two doing or three, I can I can count today. It hasn't been that long of a day. How are you three doing today? Doing good, buddy. I'd, we're glad to have some other Clopton alum on here with us tonight. The the boys from Four Deep. Oh, before I forget, we want to give a shout out one more time. This is again Calamity's Rain. It is available on any of your Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music. Uh, again, give Charlie a listen. He has got some great stuff going on in that album. The uh, song, the lead-in song you just heard was called Scorpion Sting. It is, uh, I, in my opinion, it's the number two out. The one we played last week, Manifest Destiny, was probably the best one on the album, but give Charlie a listen. But uh, our other Clopton alumni here, we have Zach Evans, a.k.a. Sauce, and Daniel Harvey, a.k.a. Harve. Gentlemen, tell us a little bit about what you're doing, where you're at in college, and tell us a little bit about 4Deep Sports. Uh, first and foremost, we uh, want to thank you guys for bringing us on. Uh, v, I appreciate you repping the merch. Uh, there's our logo right there for you for you guys to yeah, see it. See, uh, they, they do make shirts. Some some companies do make shirts that are three X. There, uh, Sean. I just thought I'd a little bit more just for you. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to live. Daniel again. and I uh, started Four Deep Sports early this January, March, January, February, March, something like that, right, Daniel? Yeah, about January, I think. It was something we had like talked about doing for a while, like all throughout high school. But then finally, uh, New Year knew us. We decided to actually get into it. Uh, started out doing just a few pizza reviews, kind of just trying to be funny. But lately, we've really dove in and done a lot more actual sports stuff, uh, which is kind of what we're more geared geared toward. You know, just reporting scores. You know, getting takes. Uh, that's what we're all about. Uh, and we do have shirts. Uh, if you guys want one? Just contact me. Uh, I'll give my info out at the end, but uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys having us on. Yeah, the uh, the I I must I must say to, I the two the two that I really two clips that you guys have, and you guys can follow Four Deep on Instagram. What's the uh, just is it Four Deep at Four Deep underscore Sports? Yeah, okay, yeah, on Instagram. And uh, I there were two that I really and TikTok when you guys you guys did a uh, you guys did a live with um, Landon Hall. I really enjoyed the one that you guys did with Landon Hall. And then my other one is more of a, of a clip when uh, I wish I, if I would have th- thought ahead, I would have got the video of it. But it was when Evan Logerman, Evan Logerman got a hold of some dog crap with his, with his weed eater. <laughs> he said, I, I, that was just, I, I need to, I should have got that and, and brought that up for us tonight. But that by far is my, is probably my favorite one. Yeah, alongside the sports content, we just like pushing out funny videos. So that's what we're all about. Well, it was it was a great one. Um, so to, uh, where now? Where are you guys going to school at? Where do you guys go to school at? Uh, I'm I'm here in Columbia, Columbia College. Uh, really enjoying it so far. Studying business, probably business management. Haven't really made up my mind on that yet, but so far so good. You know, it's it's an adjustment, but I think I'm doing all right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm over in uh, at Mizzou, also in Columbia. Me and Daniel are just right down the road from each other. But uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm studying journalism. Uh, hopefully, get into broadcast journalism here soon. But I'm really having a lot of fun here. It's a lot bigger than Eolia and Clopton, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, so obviously to say that we are having a kind of a sports theme night. There is a lot going on within the sports world, and we'll see how many we, topics we can cu- get on. But uh, I guess first thing that we need to talk about is the one that's got every Cardinal fan scratching their head is the firing of Mike Schilt. Um, and basically, so John Mozeliak calls a, a calls a press conference on uh, Thursday, and he says, you know, we're going to we we're gonna we're we're parting ways with with. Uh, Mike Schilt, and the basically his quote was, 
uh, he said that where we felt the team was going, we, we were struggling to get on the same page. We decided internally that it would just be best to separate now and to take a fresh look as we enter the new season. And he also cited philosophical differences. What do you, what do you fellas make of that? I mean, what is that? Because the rest of us are scratching our heads. What did you guys make of that? Well, the first thing that I saw when it came to this firing um, that was being reported, which is the most interesting, is actually that this was a phone call conversation that happened. He was not fired face to face, right? Um, which is wild uh, for a professional sports organization, organization, uh, especially one with a, a storied franchise like the Cardinals. This isn't, you know, some dog shit franchise like the Twins or anything like that. Like this is a storied franchise. Um where we play baseball outside like real teams. So it's uh, wild to me that, that it went down that way. Um, but in the same token, uh, I'm not surprised. Um, it is weird to see a coach with, uh, what was it, three winning records back to back to back, if I'm not what you, what, mistaken. Was it three, three or four? I think three it was three or four. Yeah. Four. yeah. And so – where where the question you know comes up was this season um was it the management or was it the players that the final run that led us to the wild card um in the wild card we had some questionable management calls um especially with pitching towards the end um but you know it's kind of like you guys have seen it when you watch sports where there's people that are really good maybe coaches that are really good that just can't get the big one done. Um, and maybe the Cardinals are kind of thinking, Hey, we've with, with where our talent is, we should be expecting more, or maybe we just need to see if there's someone that can get us over this hump just because it's been kind of stagnant. What are you, what, yeah. So sauce, what's your take on all this? Well, you know, as just a casual baseball fan, this movie even kind of shocked me because haven't, haven't they made the postseason the last, Three years. Three, and he took over. Yeah, yeah. So, three of the. So yeah, I mean, right. And and you saw the way they ended the season. It's, you know, you lose on a pitch in a wild card to the Dodgers, which had the highest payroll in the league. That's almost something, you know, just to get there and be in that game and to be that close, you know, to beating a giant like the Dodgers. It's, it honestly shocked me a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't see it coming. I wasn't sure really the when they said philosophical differences i couldn't really get down to what they're i mean they're winning games uh 17 you know. game win streak what do you want yeah right like they were slumping and then they just turned it around and like sean said you don't know if it's players or the coaching but you know at the end of the day the managers do have a large uh role in what goes on the day-to-day operation so i'm sure that Schilt did have a, a good deal of uh stuff to do with that run what do you think Daniel you know I I'm not gonna lie I wasn't a big Mike Schilt fan at any point really but uh especially this season I mean before the win streak we were I mean we were not playing up to par with what we got I mean I think legitimately we could have won our division and up until that 17 game win streak we were just kind of hovering about you know 500 and uh, I kind of I knew he had to be on the hot seat before that but I I honestly did not see this coming after that win streak, you know, after, I mean, the Reyes, the Reyes thing obviously was, I didn't really agree with that move, but I mean, 17 games in a row, I didn't really see it coming just after that, but I can't say I'm upset that he's gone. I definitely think like moving forward, they'll, I don't see him pulling somebody from within the organization. I think they'll go outside the organization for their next head coach, but I mean, we'll see. There's some options out there. I know like Skip Schumacher has been, talked about Matt holiday. I mean, some past players, so I don't know. It'd be nice to see what direction they move in, but well, just, just a few stats about his resume. Um, he became the, so he was the 50th team manager and he started at the, this was the thing that got me. The guy has never played a day of pro ball of minor league. I mean, nothing. And he came in as, I guess they said as a scout in 2003 in 2018, he took the job after Mike Matheny was fired. And so, but th- this is the stat that I think is pretty alarming. Well, not alarming, just shocked me. Okay, so he had, where was it at? How many games? I don't know where it said how many games he had. But, okay, 
with more than 400 games, among managers with more than 400 games as managers, Schultz's 559 winning percentage was sixth in team history and ahead of Tony LaRussa at 544, uh, Whitey Herzog with 530, and Red Schoendice with 522. And... When you when you put number, I mean those are those are big names. Those aren't just, you know, I mean I grew up with Herzog. I mean I grew up on Herzog, and that was w- what I knew as a child. And then you know, and then I when I looked at Tony Larusa, and you guys are you guys you guys were young when Tony Larusa, but to me, Tony Larusa micro, and I as a as a kind of a closet White Sox fan. I mean I I've watched him as he's he, he's he's managed. The White Sox, the exact same way he managed the Cardinals. I mean, he's he breaks everything down pitch by pitch by pitch by pitch by pitch by pitch, and he's I mean, he just he study he's a great student of the game, but he just he micromanaged. And then I was I thought Mike Matheny was a we actually we got to meet Mike Matheny three days before they named him manager. That was the last time that the Fellowship of Christian Athletes had their uh, kickoff banquet at Bush Stadium, and he was the speaker, and he. Three days before he was named the manager, we got to have our kickoff banquet. Or no, it was the end of the year banquet at, at Bush Stadium. And I thought that was kind of wild. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, where do you, I mean, do you think that Mike Schultz, is his career over now? I mean, is he, is, is he going to be kind of untouchable, do you guys think? No, I think there's a bunch of um, dumpster fire MLB franchises that will be looking for a coach and, and, you know, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him do well in another situation. Um, I know things really didn't go our way uh, in in the city of St. Louis um, with him, but you know, that doesn't mean that uh, he he couldn't have success elsewhere, but then I I think uh, for a guy that's taken a team to the postseason three times in a row, He's going to get another manager opportunity. There's, there's no doubt. Now, that's where you're going to see. Okay, if he's dog shit, if his team is terrible, then you're going to say, okay, well, they know it wasn't necessarily players. This is on management, and so then, uh, but yeah, he'll for sure get another opportunity. Yeah, it'd be one of those things. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't imagine him going straight to another team and taking over the head managerial position. But it'd be one of those things. I think where he maybe start out at a lesser position and work his way up to, uh, you know, like he did with the Cardinals, just up through the organization with, with that. I, I wouldn't see him. He's not like a real hot commodity, I'd say. Yeah. And the other thing that I, I found interesting is, you know, Schilt did take the high road today when he gave, he gave his statement today at 11 o'clock. And he said, I was taught not to talk out of school. And while clearly there were differences that led to this parting of ways out of respect for the organization and the people that run it, I can only express my gratitude. All the philosophies that were shared over many years, most of which were allowed, allowed us to part ways as professional friends. What differences there were will be left remained unsaid. And he said 2021 was a real success, something that for all of us, part of the, the, part of the organization, take, part, take pride in. We have enormous pride in the 17-game winning streak, but decisions never are n- never are never easy. Ultimately, something we felt like we had to do is what Mozeliak said, and you know, and everything that I, and maybe you guys can, you guys know a lot about this, maybe more than I do. But everything that I was reading, all these editorials and everything, kept on talking about a book that had been written many years ago called The Cardinal Way. Now, have you guys have you guys heard of this book or the by a past player, um, and basically it's been this this cardinal way has basically been the philosophy of the ownership of of car of cardinal baseball that you know, and I, I guess it's good that they have the basically what the cardinal way is is having the bar set so high that they expect they expect the playoffs every year. And part of that is, I guess, going beyond, you know, going beyond the wild card game. I mean, if Mike Schultz wasn't making that level of, you know, I don't know. But the other thing that I'm also I'm kind of curious about is that uh, I saw that today that the the Cubs named 
a new manager to not that I care about the Cubs, but you know, again, how all of these, you know, especially in the NL central, because I, what do you, do you guys, where do you guys feel about the NL central? As far as this is, in my opinion, it's probably one of the toughest leagues in baseball. I definitely think it's probably in the top three. I mean, top half of the leagues. I mean, it's obviously tougher than the NL East, but NL West was tough this year, but top to bottom before the Cubs, you know, sold and everything, it probably was one of the most consistent, you know, obviously the Cubs fell off at the end there, but between Milwaukee and St. Louis Cubs and uh, am I forgetting Cincinnati, but like those, those four are all solid. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a tough division for sure. This new guy that the Cubs have brought in, Carter Hawkins. I don't know a lot about this guy. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, um, why am I – Daniel, what was the name of their old manager? Um, well, this is a general manager. I mean, their manager's uh, Ross. Yeah. Yeah, David manager. Ross. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at baseball as a whole, I mean, people, you know, guys like me who are – I'm more of a football guy, but I do – you know, I, I'm – I always love watching, you know, Cardinal listening. I actually like listening to Cardinal and baseball more than I do. But some of the decisions that, I mean, going down the stretch, you know, our, I think our biggest problem with Cardinal, with the Cardinals has been, and since 2011 has been pitching. And Relief we, pitching especially. Well, yeah, and I mean, and while we're talking about pitching, what's your feeling about Wayno going another year? Hey man, I like it. I do. I'd I'd like to see Albert come back and they can all go out together, but we'll see. I think I think Wainwright can most definitely be effective for another year. So has Yachty said that he's is he coming back or has he said yet? Yachty said, I think he's he said a one year deal. One year. Yeah, yeah. One year. Yeah. Well, you know, that Albert just signed that one one year deal with and he was just picked up as a as a just basically, I don't want to free say free agent. Yeah, free agent from yeah, from waivers. Los Angeles. Yeah, just basically cross town deals. What it was. So I mean, and I I would love to see him retire in Cardinal Red and just use him as a you know whatever you need him for. Just to I mean he I know one thing he'll sell tickets. He will sell a lot of tickets. So, oh, yeah. but uh, yeah. That being said, we'll we'll see where next year goes. But. Uh, Another issue, I think, unless you guys had something else you want to say about the Cardinals, I think, Sean, you wanted to talk a little bit about another issue that uh, there's a lot of skeletons in the closet about. Yeah, so one of the big things I wanted to talk about with you guys um, is the upcoming potential lawsuit of the city of St. Louis versus the NFL and why this is actually a huge uh, deal. Um, but first, the big thing that we see in the NFL right now, and it, I, when I say it's a smokescreen, and I'm not like just trying to go on like some stupid conspiracy rant, the John Gruden emails um, situation is a sheer fire smokescreen that the NFL the NF John Gruden was simply just the lamb that needed to be sacrificed. Um, one of the funniest things that I've read, uh, aside from some of his emails, were the NFL did an internal investigation of over 650,000 emails uh, sent from organization to organization, from reporter, from owners, all that good stuff did an internal investigation and stated that apparently of the 650,000 emails, John Gruden's were the only ones that remotely kind of said what he said. Um, I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on whether or not you think that's true or you think that's a load of shit. Yeah, yeah, obviously this is big news uh, concerning the NFL and John Gruden is one of the, I, I'm not sure if the NFL really wanted to sacrifice John Gruden because he's one of their biggest faces in the league, you know, uh, moved from Oakland to Las Vegas. And uh, that transition was really headed by John Gruden. You know, he was the face of the franchise. When you thought Raiders, you thought John Gruden. And I know he's just one of, I, I there was a report the other day 
uh, about Adam Schefter. I'm not sure if you know who he is, uh, NFL analyst. Mm-hmm. He's always reporting, you know, news, trades. He's like the NFL's version of uh, Woj, if it were the NBA. But he were he was they had found emails of him uh, asking, sending articles to uh, GMs and owners, and asking them if he needed to edit anything or if they would change the article, which is kind of interesting to me because that really pulls back a lot of his integrity as a journalist if he's allowing, you know, the people he's writing the story about to potentially change and alter his story. Uh, that's just one of the things that I really found interesting. But when it comes to Gruden, uh, I don't know, this is a touchy situation. And obviously the things he said weren't right or they should never be said. But I find it a little hard to believe that there was no other controversial emails found throughout the you know millions of employees of the NFL and of each uh, franchise. I, I'm, I'm a little bit blown away that the fact that you know, John Gruden's were the only ones that were, you know, deemed offensive or had anything newsworthy. And what do you think? Yeah, I agree. And I think like the main thing is, I mean, just if you know him, like as a person, like his personality over the years, I think this was like a long time coming kind of, I mean, you can't get away with some of the stuff that the dude says. And like in 2021, you just can't, I mean, I don't think the NFL necessarily wanted to do this, but I mean, it was brought to their attention and he was just kind of, you know, the one that he took the fall for all of it, really. I think yeah, I'm, it's uh, unfortunate, but I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it's a life lesson for him, I guess. It, you can't really do that kind of stuff. He shouldn't have ever done it, but especially now, I mean, to say it. Well, there so. was an, there was an article that I read. I One of the pages I subscribed to, you guys probably heard of it. It's called The Ringer. And The Ringer did this editorial piece on him on the 12th. And they said that this is this is who John Gruden always was, and that he was you know he was all he's always been he's always been known for saying racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, just he's all over the place. Uh, some you know just some of the stuff that he had said, but one of the other things that I that I still about this lawsuit that with what Sean was asking about with this lawsuit. Which I've I've got some good info on that that yeah, I will and, dive into. And, and let me just ask you about this. So out of so out of the six hundred fifty thousand emails, Sean, the other one that kind of drew my interest was you know communication between Jerry Jones and Stan Kroenke about how Jerry... and it wasn't just Jerry Jones that that's right. that's the it, other fun part. Yeah, about. yeah, and I'll let you get into that. But I just I found that to be very interesting that. You know, and the whole the other I read I read uh, an editorial on SI today, and I read another editorial on uh, CNBC Sports, and what they were saying was, you know, they were all worried about what was going to be good for the league, and I mean, in the end, it's about I I think it's terrible. You, I know it's oxymoron to say this, but you're cheapening the value of the fan, because to me, St. Louis has by far one of the best fan bases in any sport when this when this soccer league when this i guarantee you there's not a lot probably not a lot of soccer fans in st louis but whenever this new when this new mls team comes to st louis i they'll i guarantee you they'll probably sell out every they'll probably sell out every game because st louis is a true sports town well it's not just a sports town um st louis does have some of the most passionate fans when and it's not it's not like we won't support a team when the team's bad even when the blues were absolute garbage for decades fans still showed up to watch the blues but there was always a conscious effort that went into what the blues were doing now st louis is a sports city um record attendance for the united states women's soccer team in the united states takes place in st louis Sold out Bush Stadium. Okay. We are a sports team. The XFL, the highest attendance record for a my well, it was a professional football league, but one that had existed for all of four weeks before COVID. Um, Urban mired it up the butthole. So we <laughs> literally have one of the most passionate fan bases. For those that don't know, before before uh, COVID had kind of snuck in, um, 
the XFL, the St. Louis Battlehawks, had sold over 60,000 tickets for the Edward Jones Dome. 60,000 tickets is insane. So to say that St. Louis didn't care about football is bullshit. St. Louis didn't care about the worst five years in NFL history. The St. Louis Rams had the worst record uh, in NFL history over a five-year span. That's a fact. And it was – if you watched those games, if you watched the – the management that we had between Steve Spagnola and Jeff Fisher, the team was horrendous and they did not try to get better. Uh, and that was in part to what Stan Kroenke uh, had planned. Stan Kroenke wanted to get back to LA any way that he could the minute that he had bought that team. First off, I just want to talk about a, how much of a scumbag uh, Kroenke is in the first place. Do, do any of you guys know who his wife is? No. A young lady by the name of Ann Walton. Do any of you guys know who Ann Walton is? That's the heir to the Walmart. Yeah, the Walmart. heir to the Walmart fortune. I did not this know This son that. of a bitch married into his money. And he has now shit on the hopes and dreams of St. Louis. Okay? Okay. <sighs> So the reason why I, I've taken a deep dive into this is because this is where I'm going to backtrack to the John Gruden emails. Okay. This is the first time in history, this court case that is upcoming. So I will, I will cover some things. This is going to be the first time that the NFL has to publicly turn over information about the owners and a lot of these emails. Okay. So, that's why I, I think I think the NFL is going to push hard for a settlement before January 10th. I'm going to take you guys through like a little bit of a timeline where a lot of this has come up. So for over four years, the city of St. Louis has tried to sue Stan Kroenke and the NFL um, due to unjust terms of relocating. So it's a weird situation in the 1980s um, when Mark Davis, I believe, relocated the uh to Oakland, yep. it was a pretty scummy deal. Um, and essentially they had kind of created a rule uh, where it was like, uh, I think it was article four, three, where at least three fourths of the NFL owners have to approve a team moving. Um, so where this, where this is a big deal is uh, if you guys remember around 2014 might have been 2013 stan Kroenke bought a huge chunk of land in inglewood california right so when that happened automatically the city of st louis was on high alert of oh crap he's gonna try to move our team well back to the first thing out of sean yeah just to correct you on that though so georgia fontaine was the owner of the rams from 2000, mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, let me back up, 1995 to 2008. And then from 2008 to 2010, uh, Chip Rosen, Rosenblum and uh, Lucia Rodriguez owned it. And then Stan Kroenke bought it as a in 2010. And just to give you guys, he so also Stan Kroenke owns the, if I get this correct, he owns the... The Nuggets. He owns the Nuggets. He owns the Avalanche. Avalanche and I think that's it. Arsenal. He team. owns Arsenal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, which Arsenal. is a right. Premier League soccer team. And right. their fans hate him just as much as uh, the city of St. Louis hates him. But I just wanted to get um, that background there before you went into it too bit deep. Yeah. Yeah. So when when he purchased this land, um, him and the president of the, the Rams at the time said, had claimed that they had no intention on relocating. This was specifically something that was something else that was going on. Uh, well, that wasn't the case. Um, the Now, a lot of people outside of St. Louis that don't really un know what this case is all about talk about how the reason why the Rams left was because of the, uh, the Edward Jones Dome lease deal, which was a garbage deal for the city of St. Louis anyway. However, they had wanted an NFL team, so they had done it where essentially if i'm not mistaken the deal stated that every 10 years every 10 years um 
ownership would get to reevaluate um, the 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 facilities that the team in St. Louis played in, and they had to be like the top five or top ten in the league. And for those of you guys that know, when domes get built, if you have to, they're getting built all the time now. And in order to maintain and stay in in the top ten or five, even uh, is absurd to do it every every 10 years uh you that's a lot of new stadiums back to back to back, unless you build something insane but when st louis left it had nothing to do with the the dome set the city of st louis had actually put together in the ballpark 36 million dollars um to form a council and to propose a, a new stadium plan for st louis the plan was for it to be in the riverfront was going to be a beautiful um, retractable roof stadium uh, looked pretty legit. <clears throat> um, however, owners voted anyway, and the team was relocated rather quickly. So this was a rather quick relocation. Okay, we when it comes to like teams like the Bills, there's always there's kind of like these rumors that they might be leaving. Um, the Chargers, the talk of San Diego had been going around for a while. Same with Oakland. The Rams was pretty out of the blue when they jump shipped and left compared to other teams. Now, the reason why it's getting sketchy and the reason why the NFL might want to settle on a settlement as opposed to having more emails released to the public is because there was probably a lot, not probably as there was collusion on behalf of the owners, the hunt family in Kansas city, uh, uh, Mr. Kraft out in new England and Jerry Jones in Dallas were the were the big three, okay, alongside Stan Kroenke, who owned property near and around Inglewood, where SoFi Stadium is, merchandise, not just – not like they own property, okay? This was planned for them to make money off of one another. And it was a plan because Los Angeles is a bigger market. They convinced other owners, talked amongst – amongst other owners and convince them to pass this vote. That is what the NFL doesn't want out. And I can guarantee you that that those conversations are sitting inside a lot of the emails that were discussed that the NFL doesn't want to release. Now, a settlement would mean St. Louis would get a lot of money and might put them in good standings with the NFL. But I'd like to get your guys take on this. Would you rather the city of St. Louis take a settlement or would you rather them push to court? And I'll get into the, the court, what the dealings with court is, because Stan Kroenke and the NFL have pushed hard to avoid court, um, but the, the, the state of Missouri will not let them. Or would you rather, guys, let this go to court, see if the city of St. Louis can win back some money, or see if the city of St. Louis will take a deal and not only get some money, but also an expansion team? d what do you think? I mean, I think the ideal would obviously be to get an expansion team, but I don't know. I mean, for them to actually get that all worked out would probably be pretty difficult, but I, I definitely think they should take it to court. I mean, just based on everything you just said, it pretty much seems like the NFL has got something they're hiding and they know they're hiding it to cover cover Kroenke here. And uh, I definitely see, see them getting a lot more money if they were to take it all the way and not just, you know, go for the settlement. At this point, we don't have much to lose. I mean, our team's gone and uh, – so, I mean, that's that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I think them leaving altogether was, you know, it was a scam the whole time because I went back just just now looking like attendance, and it's not like our attendance wasn't any lower or anything like that. I mean, we knew we had had a good fan base, so there's really no real reason I can see. I know you said the deal there uh, with, you know, keeping the facilities up, but, I mean, I went to games there. There was nothing really wrong with it, I and mean, we can all agree on that, but. I think overall, it's definitely it's it, a scam it, on Crocky's part and all it, these guys. It depended on where you sat at. And to me, as a guy who had been to um, two Border War games, or Bragging Rights, I'm sorry, Bragging Rights, two Bragging Rights games, um, and I watched, uh, I would go there for preseason whenever the Rams played the Chiefs. And... If the year that they went to the Super Bowl, I was only able to get the greatest show on turf, and I was only able to get for those those games for the bragging right games, 
or for the whatever game between Illinois and Mizzou and the the year that I went when they went to the Super Bowl, we were able to get only get nosebleed seats. You know, when you sit up there on ZZ up there at the very top, to me, I mean, I've sat nosebleed at 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 uh, at Rocky at the Rockies game. I've sat in Daniano. You've been to a ton of different venues before, but to me. Part of the, and I'm, I'll play devil's advocate just for a second here, Sean, and you guys can respond too. The Edward Jones Dome, number one, wasn't put in the best, lo- in my opinion, is not in the best location in St. Louis. When you go to, when you go to Bush, you can, you've got, you've literally got three ways to get into the park. Four ways, I mean, if you want to walk through Ballpark Village. When you went to the, when you went to the Edward Jones Dome, you had to, Number one thing that was wrong against it was it was it was locked on two sides, and it was on the uh, it would have been on the west side the the well it's kind of turned at an angle so at the west side, and on the south side you couldn't I mean you had to walk in there was no hey drop me off you had to be dropped off and and then they usually had traffic funneling around so it was a nightmare there, and to me, inside that dome was like when you were up in the top it was a bat cave now when you sit down in the bottom ring, I went and watched. Uh, one of our Thanksgiving traditions used to be we used to go watch uh, the state football playoffs, you know, and you could sit down there in the bottom ring. And I know, Sean, you've been to set in the bottom ring at Battlehawks games. And so, you know, there's a gripe about that. But, you know, and then attendance numbers towards the end. I mean, in the beginning, you, you again, they had the, the PSLs that you couldn't get anything in the bottom ring. But... I don't know. To me, the after the greatest show on turf, and you know the the Rams went to the Super Bowl there two years in a row, and like you said earlier, Sean, I thought management just totally destroyed that. Now, and then I'll let Sauce put in too. One of our viewers did say Mark Hendricks said, "I don't trust the city to actually spend it wisely, especially with the leadership." And I know you're going to give us a, a a dollar amount here in a second, Sean. But do you? I mean, do you? And Sauce, maybe you can further on this. I mean, was it bad management? Was it? What do you think about all this? Uh, first, I want to backtrack. Uh, the dome, not in a very good place right now. Uh, I went to a Supercross event there a couple years back. The only good thing about it, they had found Sundrop. <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> enough. Yeah. But uh, I had a buddy who went to uh, the Rolling Stones concert there the other night. It said it smelled musty just walking in the hallway. It's never a good sign for a dome. It looks terrible from the outside. It's an eyesore. Uh, but, Sean, I want to get back to what you said on why the NFL wants to settle out of court so bad. Uh, the NFL, like many other sporting organizations, made up of owners with a lot of money. And if this does go to court, they're going to have to re- release their financial records. You see a lot of these team valuations are completely just like people are guessing. They're just kind of looking at what somebody's net supposed net worth is. And they're just kind of taking a guess off that. This will give uh, NFL Players Association mm-hmm. a real deep dive on actually how much these the owners are worth, how much the teams are worth, and how much money they're getting screwed out of, which is a huge thing because there is a new CBA coming up soon. And if those financial records do get released – the player's going to be asking for a lot more money, I was going to say the which could and lead to a lockout, which could lead to who knows what, but it could be very bad for the NFL, and that's why they want to settle us out of court as quickly and as quietly as possible. That was exactly the next point that I, I had to make, is, is quite literally, just like he said, these teams are their estimated values. The net worth of these owners are estimated values. So this is actually something because it's the state of Missouri. Missouri requires these individuals to turn over these documents. And uh, I think like right now, Stan Kroenke is actually being fined. It's something like $1,500 a day because he was told to turn over these documents and he still hasn't. Um, They will also be requesting the same information from the scumbag Hunt family, this uh, craft, and from um, Jerry Jones as well. But again, he knocked it out of the park. Uh, the NFLPA is going to <laughs> probably roll over in their grave when they see what some of these owners are making. And then they're like, that is the cap limit that you've been putting 
for the players of this organization. But not only that, cities are going to come after their owners because they are now going to see what their owners are making. And a lot of, if you, if you guys know, a lot of these cities have made deals where they pay a big chunk of change for the actual stadiums, for a lot of the facilities themselves. And that was one of the, one of the big breakers that um, the city of St. Louis is pushing hard against, um, against the NFL was Roger Goodell um, was, was commissioner at this time. And as you know, he was booed every time he goes up for the draft and rightfully so the guy's a, a scumbag. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when the city of St. Louis put together their stadium proposal, the city of St. Louis was going to pay a lot of their own money. Taxpayer money was going to go into this. Um, Stan Kroenke was uh, going to pay a very minimal amount for this stadium. Okay. And on top of that, the, the thing is the city of St. Louis was going to request a $100 million loan from the NFL that would be paid back. However, they asked for a $100 million loan to help them facilitate the building of this new stadium. Roger Goodell stated in when the Rams relocated that $100 million was an absurd amount and was unrealistic and that an unrealistic proposition had not been made for the city of St. Louis. However, when Stan Kroenke built his SoFi Stadium in California, which he paid for out of pocket, he went over budget within, I think it said something along the lines of like the first two or three months mm-hmm. and was granted a loan of $300 million from the NFL. So after being told that $100 million was out of the question uh, to for the city of St. Louis to take out, Stan Kroenke alone was given a $300 million loan from the same douchebag that told the city of St. Louis no. Okay. Um, but no, uh, and, and again, the same thing, like I said earlier, and, and like Zach, uh, you had touched on, uh, aside from the NFLPA, um, local businesses are going to find out exactly what kind of money is being made, um, in these areas. But again, the big thing, the disclosure of emails, texts, other materials that could cast a negative light on important figures in the NFL, all these owners have been, um, I've been have been talking now the city of St. Louis will seek billions. So I've been watching a lot of different uh, like KSDK St. Louis reporters slash lawyers talk about this. A lot of them are torn. Some are saying the city will go for a settlement and that's in to try to stay in good standings because the NFL is going to expand. The NFL wants to expand. Um, I'd really like to have, um, um, one of our, our local reps back on because Missouri needs to get sports gambling. It's because of sports gambling um, that the NFL is going to grow. They, I, I, I read an article. Um, the NFL wants to expand to 40 teams by 2040. Okay. They want to add eight more teams in cities that don't have teams. And St. Louis deserves to be one of those cities. Um, now, when it comes to the lawsuit, if we don't go for a settlement, okay, the city of St. Louis will seek billions. They might cut a deal because, and that's based off of like lost revenue, um, what the city put into the dome, what the city put into the Rams and had it taken away. Let me, let me put something in right here, Sean. Mm-hmm. I got some numbers for you here. So the lawsuit alleges St. Louis has lost between 1.85 million to 3.5 million per year in amusement and ticket tax collection um it added that roughly 7.5 million was lost in property tax 1.4 million in sales tax totaling over 100 million in the revenue for the city the suit also claims that the county of st louis also lost hotel property and sales tax revenue after the ramps lo- located the impact of the state totals more than 15 million dollars and the, ta- the lawsuit used figures from the missouri department of economic development on top of that uh the Stan Kroenke refused to, and according to some information on this article, Stan Kroenke refused and even dodged Mayor Francis Slay and uh, the mm-hmm. governor at the time, Jay Nixon, to meet with those. So the opportunities were there. The Jay Nixon and Francis Slay both wanted to meet with Francis or meet with Stan Kroenke on 
how can we uh, avert this? And Stan Kroenke already had, and go, going back to what you earlier said, Stan Kroenke already had his main, mind made up, and there, uh, obviously there was collusion between the owners. I mean, it was when that vote came up, that was a unanimous vote, by the way. With one, well, I'll take that back. There was one abstention. There was one abstention in that vote. And in that owner's meeting, that was a unanimous vote to pull St. Louis out of, or pull the Rams out of St. Louis. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, the other deal with the settlement could be St. Louis could be looking at one of the first cities to get an, ex, uh, get an expansion team, which, which would be awesome. Um, however, that does beg the question though. And some people disagree with me to this day. I'm praying that 2023, the XFL will be back and it will be back to stay a uh, lifelong battle Hawks fan here. Um, you know, that was one of the coolest experiences. There's nothing like being able to go to a game. Um, I've been to a lot of chiefs games. Unfortunately, I've seen kids get pushed over by their wide receiver dads, get their arms broke, girlfriends beat in the stands by the, the chiefs players. <laughs> Come on. Um, Come on. So it's, not, it's nice to, to have the environment where you don't have to be surrounded by that. Oh, so, my God. Um, you, yeah. Man. Yeah. You, you, I had to throw it in there. I had to throw it in there like I'm Urban Meyer at my bar. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. You know, Zach, did you hear about that that uh, that story where Urban Meyer was playing old, the old finger bang on a, on a on Yeah, a I heard about that. Columbus. I think the video is out there, by the place the, right now. The video is quite entertaining it's to see yeah. him putting kind of you know, uh, one of our viewers did, just go ahead full of scandals right now yeah. go ahead sorry oh no i said one of our listeners did say and he said in his opinion the nfl probably should have paid the san diego chargers to go to st louis and not move forward with the lawsuit and then he asked the question didn't the city pay a couple of million dollars for uh arts uh for architects to rendering a stadium down by the river. I mean, we already did. We did mention that earlier. It was. It was. It was. A, they put a crew and committee. It was thirty-six million dollars that the yeah. city of St. Louis yeah. had put together. Yeah. Well, which, which is wild that it cost... Go ahead. Go ahead. Sean, go oh, ahead. no, I was just going to say it's wild that they spent thirty-six million dollars to uh, just create a fake stadium plan. Um, that that legitimately blows my mind because when it comes to like he had said, they they don't trust the the lawmakers of St. Louis with that money. If St. Louis does take a settlement, what are they going to build another Del Mar trolley loop for <laughs> money to have for homeless Del people Mar ride? Um, I mean, it's, oh it, it, it'll be, I, that that's, that's my biggest thing is I hope that St. Louis doesn't take the deal for their own pockets. I really do hope that they try their best to bring football um, back to St. Louis. Cause I mean, could you imagine, look, look, St. Louis would have a hockey team, baseball team, soccer team, two pro football teams. We'd make a case for getting an NBA team. So I'm right. just saying. Uh, v talked about the, uh, the chargers moving to St. Louis, which is what should have happened. Uh, that'd be an idea I'd really like to see happen because, uh, first of all, they have to share a stadium with the Rams, which no team wants to do. And you see these uh, Chargers home games are actually road games for them because the amount of – the small amount of Chargers fans in L.A. is, uh, is, is amazing to me. Uh, I know they've always been in San Diego. But uh, they have a really talented team. Sadly, they got – their ass whipped <laughs> yesterday yeah. by the by the Ravens. Yeah, uh, but they that still, would be an still, idea yeah. I'd like to yeah. see go forward. You know, if there were if they were to expand, you know, maybe for the NFL, it's you're almost you're putting all your eggs in one basket because not not all your eggs, but some most of them. I mean, if you bring out bring the charges to St. Louis, that's another city worth the revenue because. I don't know. That that's just an idea I'd like to see happen. Well, here's here's what we could talk about more. If the NFL decide, well, see, unfortunately, the Chargers aren't going to relocate for yeah. probably a little while, which 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 sucks. There's always the opportunity. You know, I don't think that the fans of Buffalo would let the Bills leave. That yeah, is Bills Mafia is here to stay. Yeah, up in the air. I wouldn't be upset seeing Bills Mafia make its way to the city of St. Louis. 
Um, don't think it's going to happen. Wouldn't that be that be so? Dave Tucker would like to see that too. He, he would. Nine days. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's having uh, dreams right now about it. There's a couple like you know Jacksonville. There's always talks about Jacksonville uh, relocating. And that um, is by by far that is I have friends who live in Jacksonville, and that by far is they do not. If you, I, I actually was watching a little bit of that of that game on Sunday on my NFL package, and that for having, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a full. I mean, I've never heard anybody say capacity crowd. I mean, when you see the shots of that stadium, you know, not, that that to me is probably one of the. That was a weird that that was a weird move. I thought. Yeah, and it'd just be interesting because Shad Khan has put a lot of money yes. uh, into yes. a lot of development around that area, around Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. But if if Meyer doesn't last longer than he did with that young lady, then it uh it could be it could be a rough time in Jacksonville. Um, but you know, I, I and I'm told you know I'm totally biased when I say it, but I I do think St. Louis deserving is deserving to be cool to get our own. Um, new team when that happens but i mean look at it this way is is the setup that they could have is they've got two options they could this the the nfl team could play in the new soccer stadium um it would kind of be like the chargers did for a little bit where they played in an mls stadium ours is a little bit bigger um ours to be able to hold eighteen thousand, um which would be i mean not the biggest but it would it would sell out for sure um or they could play at the dome while the new stadium is being constructed. Mm-hmm. So, well, let me throw this out there to you too, Sean, and yeah. you guys. So the other move that I that I caught in a lot of my research, and you mentioned by what year did you say they wanted to expand a forty team, Sean? By what year? Twenty forty. Twenty forty. Okay. So the other thing that, I, and of course, we've seen our share of uh, NFL international games in London and in Mexico City, and London. You know, last week they played at a St- uh, um, Trottenheim Stadium, I believe was the name of that stadium. Tottenham. Tottenham. They've played at Wim- they when they play at Wembley. Now Wembley is a one hundred plus thousand seat stadium. It's that's the largest soccer stadium in the world, I believe. And they came dang near to selling that thing out. And what do you guys feel about? I mean, should the is this something that you think will come to fruition of NFL going international? They want it so bad in London as opposed to Mexico City because, God forbid, a kicker misses, like, a game-winning field goal and is just murdered outside his favela or something like that. But it doesn't make sense for the players. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and And also, like... The NFL owners, they just care about cash. Like it, it comes down to if their TV deals suck, they're not going to do it. If they're not, it, I mean, who who wants to watch a game at eight in the morning? You're right. On a yeah, Saturday, right. who wants to play that? And then and then it begs the question of like, okay, imagine being that team where every other week you're flying from London to America. Like, do they just set up camp if they've got a two week in a row? You know, like how right. how does that the the Bengals don't even have an indoor training facility? What makes you think that a you know <laughs> one of these uh, a team from London? It's just well, let me just Mexico make, City makes more sense just based off time zones. Alone. But okay, so Devin, what about Canada? Yeah, or yeah, yeah Toronto. Or, could or, be an option. Yes, Toronto. And if, so back when NFL, I don't, I think it's probably predates a couple of you guys. Do you, Sean? Do you remember NFL Europe? This mm-hmm. is this has been well, Kurt. See, I only mentioned that because Kurt Warner, after he did, he was with the Iowa Barnstormers there for a while. He did mm-hmm. his stint over in Amsterdam, which well, there you go. Well, but, what was the what was the name of that that team? Do you remember? Because oh, yeah. I read his book, and now that you say that, I I actually feel like I remember because I read the 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 book about Kurt Warner. And the only issue that I ever had with it was he said that he was better than Brett Favre in it. And I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Come on, yeah, Kurt. but he was the NFL Europe <laughs> team. I mean, and that was, that was in a, and some of those cities just did not. I mean, cause the Amsterdam admirals, Amsterdam admirals. Yes. Was her, okay. Her, yeah. So who he played yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. And so, 
you know, the NFL Europe, but it was kind of like an NFL. You kind of use that like like their feeder system, like you know, double or triple A ball or whatever, you know. And so the so they had. Let's see, they had the. Okay, so you had the Amsterdam Admirals, Frankfurt Galaxy, Berlin Thunder, uh, yeah, and Scottish Claymores, Rhine Fire, Barcelona Dragons. So you had one, two, three, four, five, six, six teams in the, and then they would have the Rhine Bowl, or they would have the World Bowl in wherever. And so, but that was, and their attendance was, was, but like I said, I think that's why they're sticking with London because London would have, you know, a a a good sell. But I don't know the, to to do international, like you said, international football. I think the boys want to keep the money here at home. Yeah. Do you do you guys see um, potentially like um, the XFL underneath the helm of of the rock and Danny Garcia, do you guys see the XFL actually sustaining long-term success? I would, I would I say definitely. so. Go ahead, Daniel. No, you got it. Go ahead. I'd say so. I mean, I, I think this group of management is better and uh, just, it's just kind of unfortunate that the timing aspect that happened with the XFL in the first place uh, no one can brace for that financially or just even see that coming with the whole pandemic. But I think if, you know, with this, it's a larger group of investors instead of just being run by, was it just Vince McMahon that ran it? Yeah, he had hired a team around him, but it was, it was solely He was the owner money. of all the teams, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Correct. Basically. Now you have a group, uh, more of a group aspect, and uh, with a face like, you know, The Rock, who seems to be everywhere nowadays, uh, it's getting almost like Shaq, but mm-hmm. you know, with a guy like that who's really remarkable, I think I could see the XFL sticking around. And to go back to what you said about the uh expansion of the NFL, I could see before anything, you know, I could see him adding a few cities in uh, America, but incorporating some incorporating some of the CFL teams, you know, like Toronto, I know it was like the Red Blacks, just I, I could see them doing that because Canadian football is starting to gain a little bit of traction within the last. 10, 15 years. And Sean, just for your, uh, I do want to pull this out too. So I just pulled up the XFL's uh, attendance numbers. Average attendance was 18,125. And you were right. The high St. Louis had on, well, Century League Field in, in uh, is, I believe that's Seattle, is, had mm-hmm. 29,172. Yes. That was the only one that was even close they had a 29,000 and they had a 22,000. But then you had a 27,000 uh, uh, and then another 29,000 game. Well, that's when they opened up. I'm assuming that's probably when they opened up the top ring. No. So the first, the, the two home games that we had were like like 29 or 28 or 30, like right in that ballpark. But the third game, so that we had a week off where we, we played uh, in Seattle, I think. Mm-hmm. or Dallas and then we were supposed to come back to St. Louis and I remember because I got emails on it where they had sold they had opened up the upper that's section what, once they said, had yeah. hit like 55,000 seats sold so they had sold the ring and then the middle section they were up to 55,000 seats sold because the dome itself holds like 68 or mm-hmm. 70 mm-hmm. and i think that like the last number that i had seen like on Ticketmaster, because i would i would look at it every day there were only like nine thousand seats available they had sold sixty thousand seats for an xfl team so um but then the game was 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 canceled as was the entire league so um you know i would be interested i i would say the 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 biggest issue that the xfl had that i'm hoping that they fix is there's just a couple teams that need to relocate. Uh, Los Angeles does not need a team. Los Angeles has two NFL teams. They will not support an XFL team. And the they definitely won't support the the XFL and a stadium that's not SoFi. New York has two teams, two NFL teams playing at MetLife. They do not need an XFL team. Um, you had cities that did that that um, had XFL team like DC had good attendance. Seattle. 
also had good attendance, but they don't need to play at CenturyLink. Send them to the MLS field. Send them there where they can still sell 25 to 30,000 tickets and it looks good on TV because the stadium is filled. Don't have the patchy ass CenturyLink field on TV. Um, uh, same with DC. DC didn't need to play in, on FedEx field. They should have just played where the MLS team plays. Um, and then I'll say the same thing again for the Dallas and the Houston team. Both had good attendance, like decent numbers, but just play on your side, so- like play where the soccer teams are because mm-hmm. you, you can fill the stadium to capacity. Okay. And that's what the TV people care about. If it looks like crap, they're going to sell. You're going to make more money from the TV deals. If the stadiums are sold out, uh, St. Louis could play in a dome. Now, this is where if you relocate teams like Tampa had a team, not good attendance, move them to Orlando where they don't have an NFL team, move the teams out of New York, move them somewhere like Columbus, Omaha would do super well. Portland would do super well. Again, they have a soccer stadium, move them to a couple of these other markets, like stay in the top 50, stay in the top 40, um, of, of markets, but just go where they don't have NFL teams go there and they will have the same turnout that St. Louis did. Um, it, it's for me, it was like a no brainer. I get why they were like, if we go to LA, if we go to New York, they're huge markets, but the NFL teams in New York suck. Why the fuck would you go watch a even shittier minor know. league team? It, it just doesn't make sense to me. So I would love to see, the XFL. So, what is it? The NIL, or is that is that the how college kids and high school kids are making money now? Yes, they're getting paid off advertisement yeah. using their name, image, image and likeness. Yeah, which I, is what NIL stands for. Yeah, I would love to see like there's potential now where high school players or college athletes that might not have made a whole bunch of money uh, through the NIL or might not, you know, have gone undrafted. And that's why the XFL is brilliant. I, I think The Rock has the team around him where the XFL could become a farmer league to the NFL. Um, we're quite li- – and, and now there also has to be rules because it would suck to have, like, a super good XFL team. You're about to make your championship run, and then your quarterback, like, gets plucked to go play for the worst team in the NFL because they're like, we just, our quarterback sucks ass, so we're taking this guy. There, there would have to be, like, some rules and regs for it, but – I think the NFL needs a feeder system. And then that would just give those teams like, how cool would it be if, if the battle Hawks fed teams to teams in the Midwest or, or, or something like that, like Midwest or, you know, so many teams could pick. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, the, yeah. and there were a number of XFL guys who were picked up at least by practice squads in the NFL. Taylor Heineke is the starting quarterback yeah. and he was the backup in St. Louis. Yep. Yeah. PJ Walker. Yeah. 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 Stud. Yeah. Yep. Played for Carolina last year. Played a few games. Yep. And there's a couple other like safeties, corners, uh, and receivers that have actually made it. I think St. Louis had like five players that are still playing this year. Yep. Didn't um, Tayamu end up on a practice squad somewhere? For Kansas City. Tayamu was with Kansas has City. Has been yeah tossed around um, practice squads like and I thought, a, they, and a I thought that kid was an absolute sorority stud. girl at uh, Urban Meyer Bar in Columbus. <laughs> I thought that kid. Was a, I thought that kid was a really good player too. Yeah, the throwing Samoan. I actually, yeah, he's yep. a throwing he's Samoan. A stud. Yep. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, we thank you for being on tonight, and uh, tell us a little bit about how how our viewers can find you on Instagram and everything. So uh, yeah, like we said, our at is four deep underscore sports, and uh, we just started a, a TikTok as well. We haven't posted anything yet, but we're uh, we're gonna start working on that and try and expand. Uh, like Zach said earlier, we got these shirts for sale. Um, hit them up if you'd like one, and uh, we got a couple other things in the works. Uh, looking to order maybe some more merch and uh, put that out for you guys. So if you guys have any ideas, just send them our way. And uh, yeah, Zach, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, and if you have any funny videos, uh, DM us. <laughs> we're we're always looking to post content. Yeah, that can yeah. be sports. That can be just for laughs. Uh, we're just we're just looking to post anything we can. That so. can be hitting dog shit with your weed eater. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Instant classic. And gentlemen, I I, I want to reiterate a point that 
our, our guest host brought up next last week, please look behind Sean and notice that he does have a circular bed behind him. We yeah. have, we have we have been bringing that up re- regularly. <laughs> that you know, so that you, and now it looks like you have. I'll light, show you guys how it works. You, one you, of these days. You have yeah. lights. Is that lights hanging uh, off the bed too, Sean? They're lights slash um, handcuff links. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Oh, no, I wish goodness. they're just lights. They're just uh, lights. Yeah. Well, keep uh, the cuffs in. Yeah. Good job today, guys. And we definitely will have you back on again. We love having repeat guests when we have some. Anytime you want to be on about non sport issues, we'd love to have you on too. So, of course. Yeah. And of course, and I'll, I'll, I'll do the run through quick. Make sure for our listeners, uh, check out Van Beber and Sons DJ Services. If you mention the Voice of Reason podcast, uh, when you reach out to Mr. Andy Van Beber, he'll give you 10% off your DJ services uh, and a quarter, half off, half and uh, half and half in the bathroom. So a uh, good deal there. American Traditional Coffee, uh, americantraditionalcoffee.com, 40% off store wide on our shirts. We're working on getting those big guy shirts in, um, but also a whole bean and ground coffee. And again, on Instagram, make sure you check out at four. Uh, the number four deep, as in D E E P underscore sports, S P O R T S, at four deep underscore sports on Instagram, uh, where they'll do pizza reviews in the greater uh, Columbia area, talk a little bit of sports, have absolute dog shit power rankings, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> oh, here we um, go. Here we go. Uh, but yeah, this this was a fun episode, guys. You're always you're always welcome back. Um, Gentlemen, is there anything you guys like to add before I sign off here tonight? Also, don't forget. Appreciate you having us on there. Yeah, and don't forget to check out our boy Charlie Tadlock on Calamity's Reign as well. Yes, Calamity's Reign, Charlie Tadlock on Spotify. And again, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, YouTube, right here on Facebook. We are the Voice of Reason podcast. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening. Please, please, please. uh, We can't grow without you. Please just give us a like. Give us a share. Um, if you're going to work, if you're going to a sports bar in Columbus, Ohio, please just let anyone know, um, you know, uh, about this podcast. And uh, I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Let's see you guys.